0: Welcome to the Nordic Mythology Podcast. I'm Daniel Farrand, owner of the company Horns of Odin. And today I'm joined by Craig Brooks, who is also known as the Saxon Forager. Welcome, Craig. Do you want to let people know Hello. what you do, what you specialize in, and what we're going to talk uh, about? You...
1: Oh, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> we shall find out. Um, yeah, so um, I'm actually, i have actually, I'd start off by saying I'm a painter and decorator by trade. Um, so I'm not, um, yeah, uh academic before anyone thinks that I am. Um, but it's just something that I've ended up getting into. I've kind of fallen down a rabbit hole, and it's taken me on an interesting journey. And I think I've got to the point I often say that it's a hobby that's getting out of control, but I think it's gotten out of control. <laughs> um, so yeah, I i kind of started off with uh Viking Age reenactment, mainly portraying Anglo Saxon. Um and mainly, I cover food and drink. With mm-hmm. two of my favorite topics. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so okay, you you do yourself a disservice, as so many people do. Uh, what did you What did you say before? You were on Channel Five, which is a, a, a British tv channel one of the main five terrestrial ones mind you it's it not I me was, yeah <laughs> Man, i,
1: mean I was i was on with uh rapture dave who used to be on time team okay and i was talking to her about viking age food um on a program oh i can't remember the name of it now it's vikings blood conquest and something i can't remember it was three part series a couple of weeks back mm-hmm. and yeah they they said i was uh an experimental archaeologist. So, <laughs>
0: There you go. you—that's what you—that's what, you sh- <laughs> what you should have led with. <laughs> I feel like painter and decorator wasn't the best <laughs> lead, but I'll, I'll forgive you. No, it's you know people. Yeah. I think people always do themselves a disservice, and especially you know it is terrifying when, like you said before, you know recently anyway, Bob's been booking some really high-level, amazing yeah. scholars for me to talk to, but. In my opinion, I think certainly with like experimental archaeology is such an important part of understanding the past. And I think sometimes it can be overlooked. You know, you have to find a balance between everything. Everything has to be homogenized. Is that the right word? I think so. Uh, um, everything has to be. I'm just gonna say balance. Stop trying to be smart. But everything has to have a balance <laughs> to it. You know, you you have to have your scholarly people who look at the textbooks, look at the exactly what we know and kind of what we can say for a hundred percent certainty, but then you have to have people like yourself who are going to go out there and get their hands literally dirty and yeah. find stuff out by doing. Cause I think that's the best way. Sometimes, you know, you just, you can read about something as much as you want, but until you have it in your hands and you actually try use it, do it, create it, make it, you can't really understand some of the troubles and then the nuances behind it.
1: Yeah. I think that's kind of why I mentioned painter and decorator first, because like, I'm a physical person. I was never that good at schoolwork. Um, Yeah, It wasn't my area, if you like. But whereas if I can get my hands on something and actually do things, so if I can get replica pieces of Viking cookware and a rough idea of what ingredients they're using and combine the two things, then that's kind of how I learn.
0: Mm -hmm. That's the, in my opinion, it's the best way.
1: I, I was the same.
0: You know, I... The only, the only lesson I could really listen in or two would be PE and history. And they were the only ones I really could kind of sit and concentrate and the rest I was just not interested in. And it was no surprise that I ended up becoming a, I became a plumber and then fell into Horns of Odin. And, you know, I could never imagine just sitting at a desk in an office or any type of any type of role like that, it's just not suited to me and who I am. But that doesn't mean we can't get involved somewhere.
1: No, absolutely. There's nothing wrong with it, which is what I kind of, that's one of the things that also got me started was that people kept seeing me do homebrewing and bread baking and stuff and saying, oh, I wish I could do what you do. And I was like, well, you can. You've mm-hmm. just got to get your hands dirty, as you said before, and actually you know, do it. And that's why I started posting stuff to sort of the social media Sort of line of things,
0: yeah. It does. It does yeah. influence people, and it does make people want to do stuff. The amount of times that even silly things like, obviously, with my Instagram, my personal Instagram now, I do a lot of going around different places and taking videos, kind of explaining what they are. But even as as, as simple as just going to the gym, I just post a gym picture, and people will be they message and be like, "Oh, you know what? That's that's made me want to go to the gym today, and I'm gonna go." So it does influence yeah, people even if, you, yeah, even if you don't realize it, it and um, people mm. look at stuff and they'll discover things they've never done. And I think most people probably just go, oh, that's cool. But there's a certain group they will go, okay, I'm going to try to do that now.
1: Yeah. And yeah, do their that's, own experiments as well.
0: Yeah it's, uh, yeah. it's good. It's good that you've kind of found your little groove with that. I, I feel like I should give a disclaimer as well because I have... I feel like I'm sounding extra husky today. I uh, I was working at a trade show over the weekend, and my voice has gone. So I'm sounding quite. I I think quite sexy, but I'm not sure whether <laughs> I'm not sure whether everyone else is going to agree with that. But that may be why I sound a little different to normal.
1: You know what? The weirdest thing for me, this is like coming out of the bubble a little bit here, but is that I listen to you whilst I work. Mm-hmm. So I was listening to you today, talk to Jonas. Okay, and so now I've got you on the same headphones. Oh yeah, oh, I can't cringe? remember. I'm not listening to a podcast. No, no, you have to, <laughs> you, no, no, you have
0: to reply. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, you have to. You do have to reply. <laughs> no, I. You know, before we start, I had an. I had one of the worst days. Or I wouldn't say the worst. One of the worst days of my life, but I had a very. Shit, awkward day on Thursday that I, mm. you know, I kind of wanted to share because it was a uh, it was such a bizarre series of events that I just couldn't believe that it was happening. So on uh, on Thursday, me and Eddie, that works for me, we set off down to London for for the show that we were working at, and I forgot my I forgot my wallet in true me fashion, I guess. And about, I was, you know, I wasn't far out of Huddersfield and I remember, but I was like, you know what? I've got my phone. I don't need it. i I'm like, I've got my phone. I can pay for anything I need on my phone. I've got some cash. It'll be fine. No worries. We, we drove all the way down there, spent the day, got everything set up. And then about seven o'clock in the evening, we got to the accommodation and I went to get the key and I rang the gentleman he said, he was like, I don't have a booking for you. Well, this is the worst case scenario now. So he was like, yeah. I'm, I'm, he's like, I'm, I'm really sorry, but there's an old booking on booking.com and we've asked them to remove it. I don't know why it's letting you book it, but we don't have any space. So obviously now we're a little bit panicked. It's, it's eight o'clock. We're in London. We're a long way from home. I don't have my mm-hmm. wallet. And <laughs> so I, I rang booking.com and apparently they have to find you somewhere else. Well all? what is frustrating is though that they refund you the money which then takes like 3 3 working days but you have to book somewhere else with your own money and yeah. if it's more then they'll refund you the difference between the two places but you have to send them an invoice for them to it, so it's a whole it's a whole yeah. thing but anyway that's not we don't even get to that point so <laughs> I'm on the phone to them for a, a an hour and three quarters trying to explain yeah. the situation. And then they say, I'm going to have to book somewhere else. So I go to use my phone. My screen stopped working. The whole screen on my phone stopped working. Uh, my phone just won't work. It, 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 I'm getting like haptic feedback from the side buttons, but it's just completely stopped working. Yeah. So then I'm starting to panic. I'm like, shit, I need my phone for, for the event. I don't have my wallet, and we don't have anywhere to stay, what are we going to do? Uh, so <laughs> thankfully, Eddie's wife, Meg, booked us like an Airbnb close by, and we managed to we managed to stay there. and I, I reimbursed the money after, but because I needed a phone, I had to then drive from London to Huddersfield at 10 o'clock at night. Ouch. To pick to pick up my old oh no, sorry, there was another series of events. So we thought we'll go and buy a new phone, like what's a phone? Like we could we could pick up like a cheap Android for like 50 quid. So yeah. we got we got an Android, I think it was like 70 pounds. It's not the end of the world, not the best thing. I didn't want to do it. Not the not the end of the world though. Put my sim card in, loaded it, set it up, tried to log in. So to use an Android, you have to go through Google. Um, you have to log into your Google account and then you can download apps and use the phone. Couldn't get into it because this smart guy had set up two factor authentication, which is brilliant. Apart from you need your other device to accept the two factor authentication. And yeah. I couldn't like log into my email anyway Cause that's two factor locked. So I couldn't use the phone that I just spent 70 pound on. So I'm left holding that. And I'm like, there's the only thing I can do is drive back home. So like four hours, at 10 o'clock at night, uh, get my old phone, sleep for three hours, and then drive all the way back down to London to do the show at like nine nine o'clock in the morning. And it was just, you know, one of those where you have like that series of events where it's just one thing after the other, after the other, and it's just a a little cycle of, of things that's just tripping you up over and over. And it was just, yeah, it was... That's probably part of why my voice is so fucked now, maybe. Uh, yeah, I, I just yeah. couldn't believe it. It was like every little step just wouldn't work. I Obviously, I had no money for fuel. I had half a tank of fuel left. I was like, I, just, I really hope I get back. Thankfully, I did. <laughs> uh, so that didn't go wrong.
1: But yeah, it was... Uh, it was an did event. you have a good weekend afterwards? Was it worth all the effort? No, it wasn't. It was shy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. I was oh, hoping you were going to say, oh, yeah, we sold everything. It was yeah, amazing. Yeah, I wish I could.
0: Trust me, I wish I could. <laughs> I really wish I could. But unfortunately, the... Oh, oh, that's a whole other thing. I don't want to slag off the, the Comic-Con, but they said they'd sold out, which would be 12,500 tickets if they'd sold out on on the Saturday. I mean, I'm no numbers expert. I don't know genius who can count people really fast whatever you would call it but there fucking wasn't 12 and a half thousand people in that place so yeah it just ended up being very disappointing it wasn't wasn't what was expected so the whole weekend was a little bit of a write off Yeah,
1: but you get them sometimes
0: yeah it happens you can't
1: yeah. it's always can't. a knock on effect as well isn't it it's never just the one thing it's always a bunch of stuff
0: yeah that. well that's it it was just like we it, we just couldn't catch a break. At one point, when I was on the phone to uh, booking.com, we found a, a little bench to sit at in a in a park. And we we're like, look, we need to sit down and kind of collect ourselves and see what we're going to do. And <laughs> this little car drove around and like, can't stop there, closing like five minutes. Who the fuck closes a park first and foremost? And then it was just like, just, just that little thing, we finally sat down and like, no, can't sit there.
1: Come on, move on.
0: It just... <laughs> You know, when you can't catch the break.
1: Yeah, I, I'm amazed that you managed to drive all that way and back again. I would have probably just said, oh, fuck it." <laughs> I did. I did want to, but I, yeah, but I needed
0: the I needed the phone for like the card machines. That was the the main reason for going. Yeah. So I needed to be able to link up the card machines to to try to assured that no one turned up. To. <laughs> so, uh, well, I mean, well. I got my I got my wallet. It was. It was fine. It was fun. I found a new yeah. podcast to listen to, so that was good. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. That's enough about me, I guess. Let's talk. Talk food. Yeah. Food, drink. Um. I guess we should start with how much, or how much can we tell about what, how people ate in the Viking Age. Just to, I think just to set some sort of expectations yeah. on what we even know, as what we can know as like concrete fact, I guess.
1: Yeah, well, as I'm sure you're well aware, there's not much written evidence for mm-hmm. anything from the period. Um, we have a few of the Anglo-Saxon leechdom books, which give us kind of the medical recipes. And you can kind of gain a little bit of knowledge about food from that. Like there's things like sage and pepper omelets, So, you can kind of work out that there may be eight (laughs) omelettes. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, But other than that, we don't have much in the the sort of written stuff. So, a lot of it is just going to be based on the archaeological stuff. So, we can tell what ingredients they have. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, even down to the way sort of certain bones are cut and things, you can tell butchery techniques. But after that, it is a lot of playing around, which I guess is probably why it's a bigger area for something like experimental archaeology mm-hmm. because no one can really say for sure how they ate stuff. You know, I can say they cooked dinner in a pot and I can say they had these vegetables or these herbs. Um, and after that, it's kind of conjecture. It's, yeah, it's how do you put it all together and and mm-hmm. make a dish out of it? Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. So I'm guessing there isn't many just recipes.
1: No, not unless you start looking sort of slightly later period and you go towards sort of the Norman stuff. Um, but from sort of this part of the world, we don't have much, as I say, other than these leechdoms.
0: Okay, so we don't know. Yeah. We, we don't have recipes or if we do the very, like you say about, about a
1: paper yeah. sage omelette. Yeah. I mean, To me, the idea of a recipe book wouldn't make sense at the time because it means you have to go out and get this set of ingredients to go and cook that recipe. Whereas you're going to use what's available to you, aren't you? It's not going to be like we can do now and pop to Sainsbury's or wherever. No. That's
0: a good good point. So I guess, well, this is a guess. I'm assuming that maybe recipe hmm. books came in for the more affluent people who can have
1: an abundance of. Um... I'm trying to remember the period, the exact time. And it slipped from mind now, but there's a book called The Form of Curry, which was a religious text. Uh, not, No, it's not a religious text. It was a royal text. Sorry. Okay. Um, And that's, I think it might be 12th century. Mm-hmm. Don't quote me on that. Um, But that's, yeah, that's got some recipes in it. The way that they write then is completely different to what we used to now as well. Because it will just say, take this and add it to this or boil this. It doesn't like give quantities or like specifics. Oh, yeah. There's kind of almost like whoever's doing it is expected to already know what they're doing. So like you're on Great British Bake Off then? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen that, but that's what they yeah, do. Yeah. It's like, here's a piece of paper and it's just like, mix this or add, yeah. add sugar. Make a roux. What? <laughs> yeah. I assume most yeah. people will have known well i mean it was important to know how to cook you know you say, you couldn't just it wasn't the ready meals and a microwave weren't available you kind of had to learn and know and i i would guess the most knowledge was just passed down from generation to generation taught in daily life
1: yeah that would make sense yeah. I mean, there, so the other place I probably should mention that we can get some information from is other archaeological stuff. So like residues on pots, mm-hmm. for instance. Okay. Um, yeah. Or like um, even there's a bread. I think it's from Burka and it's from a, I think it was a cremation. But when they've tested the bread, they can then sort of work out what was in the bread. So there okay. are some indications. Mm -hmm. of maybe the recipes but even then it's a little bit of guesswork like that one has um what most people think of is it's got blood in so we call it black bread okay and it's because it's been analyzed it's got protein in it but it lacks fat so then it can't have been from meat or fish being added to the bread so it seems like blood is the most likely sort of added ingredient but even then like it's an interpretation so you remember it what do you think? What's that? Human blood, what do you think? (laughs) Do you know, someone asked me that the other day. They thought because (laughs) I was saying it was from a cremation that they drained the body, put it in the blood. (laughs) No? Oh,
0: bless them. I mean, Mm. it would make sense. I know now we, I mean, I love black pudding, I'm going to be honest, but I think most people have, most people are quite squeamish. You know, I've said a bunch of times on here how food now comes in this nice little cellophane packet that you pick from the supermarket and yeah. resembles nothing of the animal that it used to be. And not food, but meat. Uh, so we've kind of become detached from that, or most people have. But back then, it would make so much sense that they would use the blood. It's part of the animal. It's got nutrients to it. Why would yeah. you not? Why would you not save it and use it and put it in food, make a nice reduction from it? <laughs>
1: Yeah, and that's one of the things we've done as well as doing the, the bread itself. We've done things like black pudding. Now, did they make black pudding? It's an interpretation they may have done. They were probably making sausages. It's only another short leap to something like black pudding. Yeah, it
0: would make I mean,
1: I assume this
0: is, like most things, it's going to depend on, well, wildly depend on the geographical location. So I'm guessing yeah. the the diet of somebody in Yorkshire would be completely different to somebody in Scandinavia or Northern Scandinavia yeah. where maybe it's a bit colder. And uh, Yeah. I mean, non- I, f- I
1: focus most of sort of my research in the UK because that's where we're based. So the food I'm cooking is UK based. Okay. Um, I know a little bit about the Scandinavian side, but yeah, it w- I mean, it would have, it would have varied and it would have changed depending on where they were living at the time as well.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah well you get a, yeah. you get a different differing climate and topography maybe the right word in uh in the uk alone so i guess even here you yeah. have a different varied diet on what animals you can keep what um vegetables are going to grow and what you can harvest i assume yeah. would just make a big difference so you couldn't well, what what I guess what I'm kind of getting at is that you couldn't just say all Saxons or all Vikings ate this. No, absolutely not. No. Which is usually what people are looking for.
1: Yeah. I mean, there there will be some stuff that's probably more you know common. I mean, mm-hmm. sort of like a one-pot stew is probably you're more likely to be your sort of daily food, and it's probably quite repetitive, whatever it is you're eating.
0: Mm-hmm. And I assume there would be, I'm guessing there would be no uh, leftovers.
1: That everything. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, this would be my own personal opinion, but I'd say if you had leftovers, it would go into the next day's meal. It's not going to yeah. go to waste, is it? Like, Yeah. I mean, that, people that's... still do that today.
0: Oh, they do. And that just got me thinking of, uh, I think it was China. I remember seeing a, a reel about this. It's kind of like a stew stew soup thing that apparently has been cooking for like 11 years or something maybe even longer and it's like just this giant pot and they must just always keep it on always keep it stirring and just adding to it taking from it adding to it taking and and mixing in and I was like that's probably not to that extreme but I imagine that's how it's usually always worked is that you just use what's left throw it back in and just keep kind of
1: Recycling. Yeah. And if you're chucking in, like we said about using the whole of something like blood, and then you've got your bones as well. So if you're going to chuck the bones into a pot as stock, then you're probably going to use that stock for a couple of meals. So it'll probably stay in the pot and you'll chuck some barley in there or yeah, you know, some root veg or whatever it is you've got the next day.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, do we know more about cooking utensils than the food itself? Because you mentioned about, you know,
1: pot residue yeah i mean we got i would say we've got to be careful with interpreting cookware because a lot of things like you know metal cauldrons and things are found in grave finds which are clearly from wealthy people okay yeah so that's only showing you kind of one side of your day-to-day person's probably not able to afford a lot of cast ironware i mean i use loads of the stuff for reenactment and most people do yeah, we have the reenactment fireboxes to keep our fires off the ground, mm-hmm. um, and there's a lot of metalwork that goes around. that's probably not realistic for your day to day Viking or Saxon.
0: Okay, so uh, yeah, how how do you think they would cook then? I guess in
1: in your, um, in your... I think more more likely is like the pot I showed you just now, something sort of pottery um, or even like soapstone vessels. Okay.
0: Can they, can they take like a, a naked flame?
1: Yeah, yeah. We do it all the time. In fact, most of these pots that I'm, I'm pointing, but you probably can't see any of them. I mean, you could probably see how black okay. that is. That's from being in the fire. Oh. Okay. I mean, it, sort of, it was that color before. Yeah. So they, as long as you, you have to be careful, you know, you couldn't just chuck it straight into the fire. You put it near the fire and gradually heat it and gradually introduce it to the flame. Right, okay. Otherwise, it will just crack or explode, I guess, hmm
0: and yeah, I mean, it's not hard for for them to have figured that out as well. maybe broke yeah. a few pots, but it's easier yeah. okay, yeah, I guess I guess it's so easy to fall into the the trap of what you see on again what you see on t v shows, yes, yeah. that's what. Certainly with something like food and drink, that's what kind of, you just, just, I don't know, you kind of just go by it. Whatever you see on on the TV, in the movies, you just go, yeah, it looks probably about right. Yeah, big leg of lamb. and Yeah, and you don't really think much deeper into it. You just see these big feasts and that's Mm. kind of what you think. And I, I just assumed maybe that everyone would have had this big metal pot. But like you say, it would be they would be expensive.
1: Yeah, so it's gonna depend on where you are or who you are more than anything.
0: Yeah, so we uh yes, yeah, so we can't rely on the big fucking metal pot that everyone has.
1: <laughs> but as I say, I've got them myself. It's one of those, you know, they're they're convenient things to cook in mm-hmm. versus pots, which you have to be a bit more careful with. Yeah, absolutely. So ingredient yeah. wise, or at least like
0: do you so? Do you think they were very bothered about flavor? Do you think like like how much does that? Because obviously at the end of the day, we I think where we can be picky about flavor now because we can get nutrients, yeah, easy. But back when maybe it wasn't as easy, do you think flavor was a big part or maybe it took a like a back row, like a back seat?
1: I think like. Because so we know that they used to host you know feasts. You've got these big mead halls and, and people are having a feast. To me, that, that kind of implies at least that people enjoy food. You get together, you gather, you slaughter an animal, you're eating the animal, you're drinking your mead. Mm-hmm. That says enjoyment to me. Now, whether you could manage to do that on a daily basis because of availability of ingredients is another thing. It probably, day-to-day is probably quite boring, but I'm sure they would have enjoyed food.
0: Yeah, doesn't everyone? Yeah. <laughs> so everyone, it is if you like... didn't enjoy
1: food, you wouldn't make mead and stuff, would you? It's like... Yeah, it's... it's oh, food's just great, isn't it? But it's
0: just... It is, it's one of those things that... Going off a little bit of a tangent, that it's a necessity. Everybody needs it, but yet it can become so... Addictive as well, and yeah. become it's this kind of very fine line and, and can be a double edged sword where you know you have to have it, but there are so many people who have eating disorders on whether it's on both sides of kind of you know bulimia, being or being anorexic or morbidly obese, you can have this kind of dissociation yeah. with it. It's such a such an interesting thing, really, because you can't not, it's not like you can just. If you have a gambling addiction, you just have to not be around betting. You just have to remove yourself as much as you can. Or if you yeah. if you're addicted to alcohol, you have to just remove yourself from it and try not be in the the areas or places where that's going to be a problem. But food, you just you can't just cut that out. No matter how bad yeah. your addiction is, you have to still have some connection with it. You have to still, in some way, have it, but not too much, or not too little. It's it's a fascinating yeah. thing, I think.
1: Yeah, I've never really thought of it that way, but
0: and it's, it's uh, a, yeah,
1: a weird one that.
0: Yeah, and it does get the uh, does get the endorphins going sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah, when you uh, when you get a good meal. So, what about what about spices? Do we do do you play around a lot with that, or do we know what would be available to kind of add that? that level
1: of flavor so yeah again there's some archaeological evidence there's some of the leachdom references again um and i'd say and i'm going to put myself down a little bit here but in my first book i would say i probably overused certain spices such as pepper okay um which is something that would have been imported so it'd be expensive right okay you to learning so to backpedal slightly is that the the first book I wrote was never meant to be a book for other people. It was me writing recipes to do at events. Um, okay. and I I'd, I'd just compiled a list of finds and references to ingredients, and then I used those to make recipes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And after a few more years now of sort of experience, you start to realize that although maybe it's referenced in a leechdom, doesn't mean that Joe Blog's up the road's got access to it, if you see what I mean.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but yeah. Yeah.
0: I get but also I guess this first time we've mentioned your books for people who who are listening you you create I'll put these recipes down into books, yeah how do you how do you find the balance between <laughs> I guess you've gotta try and make it taste good, obviously, you can yeah. make it as like try and be authentic and use the food that's available and whatever else, but you have yeah. to if people are buying a cookbook and they're cooking it they want it to at least taste good so i i would oh, i've them. had reviews that say that some of them don't so <laughs> well, i mean but but also i would that's yeah. just that's just shit of people cuz i would also expect yeah. that as well you know if i was buying yeah. a book based on you know saxon saxon or viking age recipes i would expect some of them aren't going to taste the best and that would be nothing against yeah. the author i would just kind of assume maybe it's a thousand my palate's changed in a thousand years
1: it's possible yeah ingredients would taste different as well things like apples were probably more like a crab apple like the wild the little things that you you see on the trees in the autumn yeah and they're quite tart and you know, they're not sweet at all mm-hmm. so if you add that to a dish it's going to completely vary to if, if i said to you put an apple in this dish right okay what you're used to as an apple is not the apple that they had um yeah that's be it, true.
0: I was gonna say that seems to be the case with a lot of food, isn't it? The where we the ones that the food off the fruit, vegetable that we see today doesn't resemble what it would have been, you know, a thousand years ago. We've kind of bred yeah. it, bred it. Is it red? What is it? I don't think it's is it breeding? Uh, I don't know. Engineered. Yeah, I guess
1: that sounds too structural.
0: But but I think it probably is though, some type of yeah. engineering uh GMO. Yeah to make them
1: bigger and sweeter.
0: Yeah. Yeah because as our palettes have changed and things have got sweeter, you know, we've we want to keep that. And I guess they want to sell more, you know, an apple today is kind of like a it's a little candy bar isn't it, it's full of sugar.
1: Yeah. But yeah, it wouldn't have been back then. Um beetroot was the other one I was going to bring up because that's one that is probably was grown previously for the leaf rather than the bulb underneath. Okay. Whereas everyone thinks of the bulb and not the leaf now.
0: I do like beetroot,
1: mm. but surely they would, you, they would use both. But if we've bred it over the years to extend the root, so maybe the root didn't start off as big as it is now. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. It, was a, it was a leafy green plant. And over the years we've changed it to be about the root itself. I mean, I, what, what does a beetroot leaf taste like? I don't think I've ever had a... It's kind of cabbage Just, yeah. yeah, it's a bit more like uh, chard probably better okay it's kind of earthy tasting
0: yeah i mean a a the yeah. beetroot bulb is earthy tasting so i would assume yeah. that would be very similar to the to the leaf yeah i think this I'm Trying to think about how because why like wild foraging has been something i would love to know more about because it fascinates me that yeah. you know when I'm sure you're pretty good at this. You can be out and there's so much stuff that we can use and eat. This just grows wild. And we, and we don't, And I think most people eat or would probably maybe not necessarily people listen to this, but I think a lot of people in the general public would be, would find it quite icky to, uh, to go into the woods and yeah. pick their own and you know forage their own plants and then go home and eat them. They would, because it's not coming out of like a nice little plastic packet from the supermarket pre washed, they yeah. would s- for some reason think it's it's disgusting or it's gonna harm them. But it fascinates yeah. me how much stuff there is that we can eat and what we can, can do. And I'd l lo- i would would love to know more.
1: It's one of those I like my name's a bit of a confusing one, really, the Saxon forager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I kinda I wouldn't put myself as like an expert in all things foraging, but I do a, a reasonable amount, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. yeah. It's one of those, you start off with the simple stuff, start off with like your blackberries, They're mm-hmm. two pound a punnet in the supermarkets. They're free yeah, yeah. on the hedge. Like, <laughs> Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> Especially cost of living crisis.
1: And you get, you do, you, if you go out picking blackberries, not so much where I live now, but in our, in our old house, like, People look at you like you're a weirdo because you're in the hedge picking blackberries. Right? Yeah. It's and they're in the supermarket spending two quid on a tiny little punnet. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, where do you, where do you think
0: the ones you are eating have come from? Like, mm. and it, it is that. It's kind of I don't know. If, and I think again, you like you said, people look at you a certain way, and then I think that discourages other people from doing it because they're like, oh, I don't want to be looked at like that, or they almost find it embarrassing. Yeah. Maybe like embarrassing because people think, oh, well, they can't afford to to get them yeah, or maybe. something like that. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Why yeah. there is this stigma
1: of of just eating things that grow naturally. Um I think it's changing though. I think more people are doing it now. I mean there's more of an interest in like, you know, bushcraft courses and and foraging day days out. And like yourself saying you'd like to learn. I think more people are starting to come around to the idea.
0: Yeah. I- I hope so. I, I but but I've started getting into to that. I started watching a lot of bushcraft videos and survival videos. Bought a lot of camping gear that I've not used yet. <laughs> <laughs> I I was like, I'm gonna go camping. Me and Rocco were gonna go camping. It's gonna be great. Yeah. Got all the stuff. Got the tent. And yeah. then I hiked up, and then like a, a storm came in on top of where I was. Gonna stop just just before I was packing up. I was gonna get everything out. Like a, a storm came in that that wasn't on the forecast, to be fair. And it started yeah. absolutely throwing it down. Yes. And I was like, you know, what? I don't want to get all my brand new stuff wet, <laughs> so I'm gonna hide back down and we'll we'll try <laughs> this. And it's probably day. not the best time to test your kit, anyway, is it? Well, that's yeah. That that was yeah. my thought. Is that I've not done it before. Then I'm gonna have to try and dry everything out. And I, yeah. I did feel a little bit. I was like, because uh, you know, it's it's camping stuff. It's meant to get wet and it's meant to get a little bit mucky. So I was like, I felt a little bit of a, a charlatan for being like, oh, I don't want to get all my nice new camping stuff mucky, so I'm gonna go back down and would we'll try it when it's sunny and warm. But the fair weather camper. Yeah, exactly. But I but also for the first time ever camping, I was like, maybe I shouldn't do it in the storm.
1: Yeah, probably not a good idea.
0: But it is, but I like, it's just an example of, I think, of people getting interested in Mm. uh, this kind of stuff. And I wonder what it is. I wonder if it's, if it is down to like a, because obviously there is a cost of living crisis. Things are Mm. going up, costs are going up for for a lot of things. And I wonder if that's forcing people back to to nature a little bit or or what.
1: I think it's like, a combination. I think like being locked down for a couple of years and people just well, want I, to get out. I forgot about Back that. to nature. <laughs> yeah. And it's easy to forget about because we've kind of, most people at least have sort of moved along from that now. But mm-hmm. when people were locked down and they couldn't go out, I think the idea of getting back to nature has really appealed to people.
0: Well, yeah, for sure. Cause people had the people had the time to go out exploring, didn't they? And Explore new hobbies, I guess, and new interests and really, yeah, really kind of find who they are and what what they're like. Yeah. Hopefully it carries on. Fingers crossed. Because I think we all could probably benefit from a little bit of outdoor time. Outdoorly knowledge. Yeah. Like just so much that we've forgotten and become detached. And I guess you must learn so much from doing you know, what you're doing there. The, I say the experimental archaeology, just getting your hands in and trying things. And when it goes wrong, because yeah. I think everybody's scared of things going wrong as well. We live in this yeah. age of where everybody's scared of doing something. And and I'm, I'm bad for it. If I do a recipe and it goes wrong, I guess I, get, I beat myself up almost. I'm like, and that probably goes for everything outside of cooking as well. You know, I tried to do something and yeah. I expect to be able to do it perfect first time. I expect it to go just how it wants. And I went to look as good as the expert who wrote the fucking book on it. And I went to look exactly the same. And then I beat myself up because it's like this expectation that it should be perfect. But yeah. you learn so much when it, when it goes wrong.
1: Yeah, I get stuff wrong all the time. I'm not, as I said, I'm not an expert. I wasn't trained as a chef or anything or a brewer. It's just years of practice. Um, but yes, sometimes you know you brew a beer and it turns to vinegar or something like (laughs) you take one sip and spit it out again. Like, you know, it doesn't Mm -hmm. always always go to plan. But whether that's I think that might be a social media thing, because everything we see is perfect. Yeah. If I post a picture on my Instagram, it's gonna be the thing that went right, not the thing that went wrong. For sure. Yeah, yeah. I think we're all all go. Yeah, I was talking about this with
0: Jonas Lorenzen last week about how it's kind of not it's not acceptable to be mediocre anymore it's Mm. not you know back you know in in the 50s or whatever everybody wanted to be like the the average Joe they wanted the the you know wife, two kids normal job average Joe was like it was a a good thing to be It it was deemed to be a success to be that kind of middle of the road, just, you know, just happy. Whereas now that's, it's almost a failure. If you're not Insta famous, you, you don't have like all these followers. It's almost like that's not, it's not good enough just to, to be you and be content with your everyday life. You have to be extraordinary in something. And it's a, it's a big yeah. pressure. Yeah, Definitely. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, hopefully we we figure it out and it becomes more normal
1: I guess to. It's still normal. It's still fairly kind of new, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like social media type stuff. I think we're still as a species I guess learning. Mm-hmm. We don't really know what to do with it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So okay, so back to the food. What kind of Yeah. What kind of things do we know that they would have cooked? What can we tell or what yeah, what what kind of ingredients would they have been around? Are there some that, that would have been around then
1: and aren't around now? I think the main main difference there is, as we were saying before, about like your vegetables. Your vegetables are going to be bred to be different to they are now. Um, but the recipes themselves, you know, it's going to be your daily pot of some kind of stew, possibly with a bit of, of barley or some kind of grain in there. Um And most people, you know, bread's going to consist of like a little round flatbread.
0: Is it? Is it mainly all just like one pot open cooking? Because obviously, do you not need an oven to make bread? And I guess in did they have ovens? Did with was that?
1: Yeah, ovens do exist. They're more like clay ovens, like pizza oven type style. Okay. Um. And so towards the end of the period, at least, I'm not so sure about the Vikings, but the Saxons were, you know, they had bakeries, so you could actually buy loaves of bread. Oh, okay. Um, but as far as sort of your everyday person, it's going to be a mixture of flour and water rolled out flat and, you know, dry cooked on a on a flat stone, or if you're lucky, a frying pan.
0: Okay. So, yeah, I guess so. it would be more like a flat bread, like
1: a, would it be like a naan bread, that kind
0: of? Or would it would it rise uh, a bit more than that?
1: It possibly could. I mean, your naan breads have got yoghurt in, I think, haven't they? They're like dairy based. Okay. Well, that was, that was more just yeah. meaningful, like, yeah. I guess, in like size of like, being like a flat yeah. type. I mean, if if it doesn't have any like leavening, like a yeast in there, then it's not going to rise. At would all. It still,
0: would it still rise even just on a, on like a hot stone? I I know nothing yeah. about cooking, so.
1: We've made things like um an almost like I spoke what we'd call a pitta bread before which is just if you use a slightly wetter dough it puffs up when it hits the heat. Okay. But you wouldn't get a rise like you do on a loaf of bread or like you said a naan bread. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so you're not getting you're not getting like a a typical loaf of bread what we what you would get down at the shop. Not unless you've got an oven.
1: Yeah. No. And I, I mean, guessing... you could
0: probably, sorry, go on. No, I was going to say, I'm guessing they were quite rare, maybe. Or do we not know?
1: Uh, no, they would have been fairly common to eat bread. Yeah. I mean, we've experimented before even making rolls in like the embers of a fire. So you just let the fire die out completely and drop a roll into it. Okay. Um, and if you put some kind of yeast in there, it does you know, cook like a, a small roll.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah. 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 I mean there's some there is historical evidence for leavening. Like they they probably I think the the yeast they found in breads that have been found are the same ones used for beer brewing. Okay. Which kind of implies that you get like that sludge at the bottom of your barrel. You take mm-hmm. that out, you mix it with flour, it becomes very active. And you can make bread from that.
0: I always this kind of thing fascinates me because I always wonder like we obviously know now that That's a live bacteria. And that's the reason why the bread's rising. And I always wonder, like, how they would have known that then? Because they're not understanding the science behind it, but they kind of just know we take this little sludgy thing here and mix it with this, and it's going to make the bread rise and it's going to taste yummy. Like, yeah. I I always just wish I could put myself in the place of whoever fucking found that out. (laughs) Just like the person, and just like the same people with the berries that you can and can't eat, like, which. Oh, what fascinates me more the people who the ones that you can eat but only when you've cooked it. Cause I'm like, which yeah. fucking crazy person saw somebody <laughs> die or get seriously ill from eating it yeah. raw? And I was like, Yeah, but I'm gonna try to cook that and then I'm gonna eat it.
1: Or bury it for six months and <laughs> yeah,
0: like dig it back up. Who was that person?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think with keeping it to the bread side of things, it's probably a, a lucky accident. It's same with things like vinegar. If you leave your alcohol out and it, air gets to it, it turns to vinegar. You mm-hmm. can do it with a bottle of wine. Okay. Um, and so you think someone probably did that accidentally and went, oh, that's really sour. But what else can I use it for? Because you don't okay. want to waste it.
0: Okay. So whether, yeah. whether I'm going to drop my gherkins I, in it and make little
1: pickles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whether, yeah, if they would have taken the sludge from the bottom of the beer and thought, well, I don't want to waste it. I'll use it instead of water to make my bread. And an hour later, it's bubbling all over the place. Oh,
0: hey, I but don't the beer, But the beer sludge. But I guess it goes back yeah. to this idea that, that you would, you really would not want to waste anything.
1: Yeah. But hey. it tastes good, the beer sludge.
0: <laughs> Does it? In bread. In yeah. bread. It's so another
1: thing I've experimented with. Yeah. So you get a beer bread.
0: Yeah. But it it is, we do have this, this culture now of just throwing food away. Like it's, like it's nothing. Like I know people and it infuriates me. People who will throw food away just because the sell by date is, the sell by date is off. And it really annoys me because it's like, just, yeah. just fucking smell the thing. Just smell it and see if it's good or taste it or look at it. Um, because that's how you're going to determine like, you know, 100, 200, 500 years ago, they didn't, things didn't have dates in it. It was yeah. literally just smell it and see. Yeah. Like, or even, but even today, like the milk you buy, it doesn't know what date is meant to be good for. <laughs> like the milk doesn't, well, the milk has no idea. It doesn't, it's not like, oh, well, it says the 25th is when it goes out of date. So I better go out of date now. Well, that's so, when you
1: get into the difference between a used buy and a best before.
0: Yeah, but it's just like... Yeah. But even then, though, even with a best before, it's like... It depends on how it's been
1: stored, how it's kept. Let me... The beer I'm thinking now is after its best before. Does does beer have a best before? Yes, one does. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it does. Yeah. Best before.
0: I best feel one. like... Yeah, I feel like in a lot of cases, it's there to... Make you want to buy more because obviously if you miss it, if you have something with a, with a long shelf life, if you could just keep it for, you know, keep it in the cupboard for for six months. Whereas if you put a, a little best before on there, I mean, it's, it's not like you should have it. You, you, it would be optimum best before this date. Yeah. If you put that on there, a lot of people would just throw it away and buy, buy another one, and I guess it keeps the keeps the nice little commercial train going. Whereas we should really just try and keep things and just, I don't know. I just think you should just check it. Just check it. Yeah, Because there are so many, there are, there are so many people that will just waste things because, because the date's gone. Yeah. It's not for me. Yeah. I think we should, should be a little less. Be a little less wasteful, but that you know, I think back in the Viking age, then it would have been a case of just use, use everything, use what you can. Yeah. Just, just yeah, just, yeah. I guess that's how you would discover new things. Then people would just be like, "I've got this, this little waste thing. Let's let's throw." Oh here's one yeah. what do you think some of the craziest little mixtures would have been is there anything that maybe you've tried and just got oh fuck that just doesn't work
1: uh well i there's creations that i've made that i don't like i guess is the nearest i can get because as you say we don't have recipes but certain combinations just don't work for me personally things like um pickled ox tongues okay yeah you know, ox tongues okay on its at best but <laughs> you pick yeah. it it's, yeah it's not the best now tongues never
0: been one for one for me but I guess yeah I guess I was wondering if, if when you're in that kind of in that kind of place where you're just experimenting and you've got something yeah. that's left over whether you've just mixed it with something just to see and just kind of gone ah yeah, that one did. That one didn't work because I assume that's what they must have yeah. done all the time.
1: Yeah, it comes down to not wasting it again, doesn't it? Hmm. Um, there's nothing that comes to mind. I mean, I've tried all sorts of weird stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. When we, uh, when we
0: did the because we did a podcast in New York for for your podcast. So anybody yeah. who wants to learn a little bit more about me and who I am, they can go and listen to uh, Will You Vike It? and Will I Vike It? Will I Vike It? Sorry. <laughs> so Will I Vike It? Yeah. And, you know, we did an episode, an episode on me and you brought uh, you made I made butter. Yes. And- I tried
1: to keep yours interesting because I couldn't cook because we yeah. were behind the minster. So mm-hmm. I decided to bring you something that I'd made, something that I'd Bought and something that you'd made, except obviously you hadn't at that point. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. But, but um, I couldn't believe how easy
0: it was to make butter. Mm. So I don't know if you want to just explain how easy it is to make butter. Because I think, again, for most people, it's just like, oh, it's just really difficult to make. I would anyway. Before before I did that, I was like, oh, yeah. fuck, butter would be so hard to make. I'm going to make butter. <laughs> I'll just go, i just can just go to the shop and buy it.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I to, like I I teach uh, deer butchery and cooking, and I'll often throw butter into the day, and people will go home saying that was the best bit of the day. No, oh, you really? butcher a whole deer, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and you go home. Go, I'm going to make butter when I get home. Hmm. Yeah, but but yeah, not- it's, it is easy. Um, I mean, there's a couple of ways you can do it at home. Anyone that's listening or watching wants to try is just to take some double cream, put it in a bowl, put your hand in the bowl. And mix it with your hand, which is what I got Dan to do.
0: Mm-hmm. I, um, I, I, it made, I'm still flabbergasted that it made <laughs> butter.
1: <laughs> and it was just like normal butter. It took you, what, five minutes? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, And the heat from your hand helps. You can you could do it in a jam jar, which is less messy. I tend to get kids to do it that way because they can just shake the jar, pass it around a group when they get tired.
0: Okay. Um,
1: and that works, but it does take... I mean, that can take half an hour. Oh, really? Okay. It's a a slow one, yeah. Um, I mean, if you want to go down the Viking route, then they would have had wooden churns as well. But that makes large quantities of butter. So for Mm -hmm. what I'm doing with my displays and stuff, or I would imagine for like a small household, they're going to use probably the bowl method and mix it.
0: Mm -hmm. Would they? Okay. So would they have had salt? Because obviously that's the first thing we added to the butter was to make it a little bit more... It's much more not, palatable, yeah, palatable, palatable for <laughs> yeah. us. But again, I, I couldn't believe how. I mean, there is a brand, isn't there? Can't believe it's not butter. <laughs> but yeah. I, I genuinely couldn't believe how yeah. buttery the butter was. I know that sounds so silly to say that, but mm. I literally just, you know, I, I, I had some double cream. I, was, I, I felt like a little kid in the moment. I Had some double <laughs> cream and I mixed it with my hand, and almost yeah. by magic, within a few minutes, I had. Actual butter, but I still expected it to yeah. kind of be like it's not act. I, in my mind, I was kind of like, well, it's not actually butter, you know. It's <laughs> it's like this this kind of butter, but it's not going to be like butter, the butter substitute. You, yeah, it's not gonna be like the butter you get from the shops. And then I was like, yeah. oh shit, it's actually yeah, same as the butter I get from the shop.
1: Yeah, and you get your buttermilk from that as well, which is usable. You can make cakes and biscuits and stuff with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, you you were asking about salt. Yes. Um, yeah, most most of their salt would probably be used for preservation. So if you put it on the butter, it's going to help to store it for longer. Okay. You do know, put it on your cheese, that kind of thing. Uh, I don't think there's much evidence for adding salt to bread, interestingly enough. Oh, okay. It's saltless bread to our taste just doesn't work. I guess that comes back to what you said earlier about, like, different flavours and whether they had different tastes. Yeah. Yeah. But,
0: uh, yeah, I think... Even, I mean, even geographically now, there are, uh we have different tastes. Different areas of the country will like certain yeah. things, I guess. And I, over the span of a thousand years, as obviously we've got more spices, more sugar. I think sugar is obviously going to be a big yeah. one, more accessibility to things like salt. It only makes sense that our palates have changed drastically to what? would they would have eaten and i think it would be fascinating to yeah. fascinating if you could take somebody from a viking age and be like here's a hamburger
1: here's a mcdonald's burger almost, there's a tv show in that some kind of like wife swap type affair which yeah, yeah yeah
0: yeah. and send through history <laughs> yeah and, se- and send somebody back there and see yeah so I imagine to, again to us their food would just be bland
1: i think yeah. it'd be monotonous i think it's just going to be in the same things a lot um, yeah yeah, yeah. I guess I guess again, that's that's our
0: modern relationship to food, kind of we touched on before. Where mm. you know we we eat for pleasure now. You know we're going out for for meals. We're we're getting some like endorphin or serotonin release from from food. Mm. Sometimes we eat when we're we're sad, we get all these kind of emotions attached to it. Whereas I think back then it would have been like, oh, we we need to eat so we don't die
1: yeah on, on most days i'd say yeah i think i think yeah they they still enjoyed a feast so i i'm, I'm sticking with the fact that they enjoyed food mm-hmm. they just didn't have access to it like we do yeah okay yeah
0: yeah dude, I, yeah, I, yeah i did not i guess i didn't mean that they they wouldn't enjoy it but just more mm-hmm. i feel like the main role of food would be survival or oh, yeah. not, not necessarily survival but just like it's just a necessity like you we have to eat not kind of this huge enjoyment to it on a daily basis it's just kind of yeah uh, and i guess it like says the accessibility to it as well if you've had a you've got a bad harvest i guess you just got to eat what you can to get possibly yeah, starve like, yeah yeah you know. eat whatever you can to get through to the next year yeah hmm. yeah
1: which is yeah, that, I mean that's another sort of idea that people often get wrong because people think of winter as being lean. But if you've done things right and you've got your harvest and you put all your food away, then you should have plenty to to last you through the winter and into the spring. So actually, it's probably going to be springtime when there's less food available because you're you know your your stores have got low, and your okay. crops are in the ground but they're not big enough to you know yeah. dig up yet. So I think yeah, springtime. It's it's a lot sort of different time period to people expect. Oh, that must be terrible. That must be terrifying. Of just like,
0: oh, I can't even imagine how scary that must be. You know, getting to to uh, to spring, or even before that, or even you know, even even before that, you in before winter, the end of, you know, in autumn the year before, you're gonna know whether you've had a good year or not and how much you've yeah. got. And if you're, you know, you're putting away and you're like, oh, it's going to be close. Like, yeah. we've not got, we've not got a lot here. And then when you get round to the next spring and little Joey's been a fat little bastard and he's been sneaking, <laughs> sneaking extras. <laughs> um, and you get there and, you know, and you, you're a good month away and you've you've run out. Yeah, that must be, must be terrifying. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, what do you, what do you think you'd do? Beg, beg the neighbors, maybe. Eat
1: little fat Joey. <laughs> I think there there are examples of cannibalism. So, are they um, real? Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a reference somewhere that says it was frowned upon by the church, or something like that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Just frowned upon. Yeah,
1: I mean. Yeah, you've got to do what you got to do, haven't you?
0: It's, Mm. uh, yeah, you get it, I guess it is. get in that. It makes sense. So you get in that situation where, you know, like I just described where that's uh, a thing where you're kind of running out of food, you've got a month left, you've got the whole family. Mm. You kind of just got to eat one of them. I know it sounds (laughs) horrible. It sounds so savage now, but it's like, we've got to, We either were eating one of you or we're all dying. So
1: who's
0: the the weakest?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Go
1: on.
0: on. No, no. As you can
1: say, we have evidence of them eating other stuff like badgers and foxes too. I mean, you'd imagine that was out of desperation.
0: Yeah, you would just... Yeah, you would just turn desperate, wouldn't you? You wouldn't know... He wouldn't know what to do. It Would be oh fuck, I would hate to be in that position. Mm. Uh, yeah, it would just be it would be terrifying. I wouldn't know kind of wouldn't know what to what to do. Um okay, so what would be your, your favorite recipe?
1: As in favorite one that I've so sort of created. Um
0: both. Let's go both. One that one that either maybe we can you have an idea hmm. of, maybe it's not an exact recipe, but one that you, we can maybe get hmm. a decent idea of, and then one maybe that you've just created from things that are available.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, I could do one that's potentially a combination of the two, I guess. Sure. So we, we make a thing, and apologies to anyone that's from Scandinavia, because I'm going to butcher the name now. Pinakjot
0: which I believe translates
1: as stick meat. Okay. Um, And is something that they have for Christmas dinner currently, as far as I understand it. Um, But it's my version of that is I use goat ribs. So you salt the goat ribs and hang them up to dry, Um, which I think normally they use sheep's ribs in Scandinavia today. Okay. Um, Yeah. Um, And they're basically... It's a good way of storing them. So potentially it's something that they could have done. Um, you know, It's just salted and hung to dry. There's no reason why it wouldn't work. Uh, and to cook them, you rehydrate them in water um, and then you, you sort of simmer them on top of a lattice of birch sticks. Mm-hmm. So it acts like a, an old-fashioned steamer. So again, it's a technique that potentially they could have used um yeah and that's that's one that we quite like doing quite a lot but that's yeah it's something that people still do today so whether it's got any historical precedence is one of those it's plausible
0: yeah i guess yeah, i yeah. guess that has to be the same for so much yes yeah. it could maybe have been done but mm. again okay here's i guess here's another one do you think people would have experimented with food that much because I guess now we have a an abundance in yeah how no matter how you look at it we have an abundance now compared to then um yeah so we were able to maybe experiment a bit more because at the end Mm. of the day we know we're not gonna starve we know we're not gonna waste
1: if it goes wrong you order a takeaway
0: (laughs) yeah you can guess yeah exactly you can guess something whereas back then maybe that wasn't an option so would mm. you then experiment because if it goes wrong, little fat Joey's not getting his dinner? You keep coming back to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's just a fictional character I've made up.
1: Uh yeah, I don't I don't know. Um it's difficult to say, isn't it? But I think certainly if you were it's gonna depend on your position in society. I think <laughs> if you were someone that's got people that are cooking for you, you're probably going to expect them to wow you, aren't you? Well, yeah. 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 So whether you then have access to enough surplus that they could experiment, someone's got to experiment for us to get recipes in the first place. Yeah. 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 I guess, I Otherwise, guess it would be that it would be the, it would trickle from the top down from the people. Who, yeah. Um... And you don't have to do anything too extreme of an experiment to, mm-hmm. to, you know, make progress. Actually, I've got distracted. I was thinking a little bit of, um, you know, the story of Alfred the Great and the burnt cakes?
0: Uh, No, but.
1: Because that kind of implies that stuff went wrong. Okay. What's the the story? It's probably just made up to make him look good. Okay. Um, But the uh, quick version of the story is that basically the Vikings have taken over most of. England at the time, and he's hiding in the um marshes in Somerset. And he goes to stay with a fisherman and the fisherman's wife. And she's making what they story, some stories say it's bread, some cake. Um, doesn't really matter for the sake of the story, but the fisherman's wife leaves him in charge of said cakes, and when she comes back, he's burned them and she oh, no. tells him off for it. Oh, you can tell off of- it off. But he accepts the the telling off. So it's kind of, that's why they think it's probably made up because it makes him look kind of humble and like he didn't be like, what, I'm your king. He's like, yeah, yeah okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah. And I suppose it, there's different versions. Some versions say it's because he was distracted by his sort of war strategies. And yeah. Yeah.
0: But, well, so that's what I'd say. Yeah, he gets as told king, off. So. As a king, that's what I'd say. I'd be like... If she came back and she was like, "Fucking hell, Alfred, you burnt the fucking bread. What we're we going to eat tonight?" I'd be like, "Look, I've got to be thinking about keeping this country safe. Like, have you not seen those savages coming over from Scandinavia trying to take your land? Like, give me a give me a fucking break here. You know, let me let me burn a few few loaves. It's not my fault. Maybe he was experimenting. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was just you know. Well, maybe you'd like it. I thought maybe you'd like it like that." Yeah, someone had to burn something to know that people don't like burnt food.
1: Some yeah. people do like burnt food. Well,
0: so that's it. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. Quite, yeah, and it, well, again, it depends on the food. I, I quite yeah. like like charred food. I think it's it's lovely on certain things. But a burned loaf or a cake is, oh, you know, because you know how the real story will have gone. It will have been. Alfred's burnt the loaves but the fisherman and his wife don't dare tell Alfred that he's burnt the loaves so they sit and politely eat the burnt <laughs> loaves and probably break the only tooth that they have left in their <laughs> mouth but they're like mmm thank you for this bread it's amazing and <laughs> Alfred leaves <laughs> all like yeah that's the best bread anyone's one's ever had that's probably what actually happened because they were terrified of being beheaded
1: well, I think it was written like a couple of hundred years after the event. So Yeah. Yeah. That it's feels probably like a, made
0: up. Yeah, it feels like a very mm. silly story to remember to have been passed down for, for yeah. generation
1: to generation. But it's often it's it's still sort of comes up in schools and stuff today. This story of Alfred's burn cakes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's odd it's odd what kind of survives, isn't it? Yeah. It's just that weird... He, everything that he did for the country and they just go back to the burnt cakes. <laughs> oh, yeah. He did yeah. this and he did that, but he did burn the cakes. <laughs> what did, yeah, What I
0: wonder, like, his, his legacy, what did he want to be remembered for? A united England. But mm. Most people remember him for burning those cakes. Yeah. <laughs> but he was humble about yeah. it, so it's okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so is there any... Before we wrap up, is there anything we should know any recipes, any push out your books, um, anything we've missed out. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Anything we've missed. Kind of mentioned them earlier. Yeah. 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 uh, Eat like a Viking. I've got two volume ones and volume two. Um, And then there's another one, which is more fantasy based. So it's eat like a halfling. Nice. For legal reasons. Can't use hobbit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Is that true? Yeah. Oh, wow. I thought
1: I'd hobbit have ended up with a cease and desist.
0: Yeah, I didn't. I never realized that hobbit was a
1: trademarked word. It's thought that uh, Tolkien came up with the word.
0: Oh, really? And okay. so
1: it's, yeah, they can. I think it's normally Warner Brothers that goes after people.
0: Has it not been like 100 years mm. now and it just becomes general? I don't think
1: it's quite been that long yet. No, I don't
0: know. I'm not sure. I'm sure there there is that thing though, mm. isn't there, Where after like a, a hundred yeah. years, I think it's like a hundred years or something. It's like that where things just become public, open to the public domain.
1: I think it will be, yeah, in our lifetime. I don't know. I don't think it's there yet.
0: No. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll
1: get there, mm. and then you can change the title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one's got more. Yeah, like yeah luxury food pies and puddings and, oh. and that sort of stuff yeah now, you talk, now you're talking yeah. <laughs> So okay
0: so yeah. so with the with the eat like a viking one how mm. are you how are you getting to those like settling on those recipes are they just you're looking at what would have been available at the time and or what you on what cooking techniques you think would have been yeah available and kind of yeah
1: so they're my interpretation of of what food they may have made based on sort of everything we've talked about this evening, really, or the archaeology – put my teeth back in – the archaeological uh, finds um, for the cookware and the the ingredients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it is, it's an interpretation, and I think I mentioned earlier, there's some things I do slightly differently now, like I use pepper in a lot of dishes, which would be an expensive import at the time. Um, but I feel like it's also something that if someone – is that bothered? They could just not put the pepper in. Do you know what I mean? It's
0: you'll always get people who complain, though. Yeah. Unfortunately, particularly in like this yeah. this sphere, <laughs> there are just some people who just want to want to pick at everything. Yeah, but no, it's uh, I. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. We have to get them from you and cook, cook some of the meals and see when I finally yeah. get it. When I finally get my own house again, which hopefully this has been a whole thing recently, just trying, just trying to get a mortgage as a, as a self, I keep slipping my nipple out as well for which is an odd thing for me to just randomly say if you're only listening to this. I'm wearing, a, I'm wearing a sleeveless cut off top and I just keep like popping a nipple out every now and then. So if you do want to see that, all the episodes are on YouTube, so maybe that's going to bump those YouTube bump those YouTube subscribers, you know, you're going to have to watch the whole episode to find this little bit. But uh, yeah, getting a mortgage as a yeah. self-employed person, which I'm sure you probably know being a a yeah, it's a fucking yeah. nightmare
1: mm.
0: it's it just, is yeah. yeah it's been uh, it's been a, yeah, a good while now just messing about hopefully I can get mm. something sorted and get a studio set back up and get some normality back and get back that's the only thing I've missed is just cooking having yeah. somewhere like my own real space to just cook and, and do what I want to do I, I really mm. do miss that I think cooking is a great Great escapism for me anyway.
1: Yeah. I think there's like a mindfulness to it. Mm -hmm. If you're kind of present with what you're doing, you know, before I sort of really got into cooking, it was kind of put something on the the stove and walk away and watch the TV. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas once you get into it, you realize you kind of need to be present at all stages so you can monitor what's happening all the time and adjust as necessary. Yeah. That's it. There's different
0: levels of cooking, isn't there? There is. Just putting some something in the oven that's kind of chips or something, like, you know, something like that, and like I still like, do that, <laughs> banging, banging, chips or yeah. like chicken nuggets or anything along those lines, or like in the oven mm. and just leaving it and coming back. And you know that that is one level of cooking, I guess, but then mm. there is another level to it where you're having to follow the recipe. You know, chop everything up, get all your timing dry, keep an eye on it. And it is, mm. in my opinion, anyway, similar to creating something. Anybody that's ever created anything mm. is always has that sense of pride in it. They're like, look at this thing that I made. And you do get that, but just on a daily basis yeah. when you cook a nice meal. I always do that. When when I do get a chance to cook, I'm taking pictures of it. I'm sending it to yeah. my friends and family. i mean like, Look at what I'm in. They don't give a fucking <laughs> shit. But I'm like, look at what I'm in. Look how good this looks. It's yummy. man. they're like, yeah, I'm sure yeah. I don't get to eat it. Why do I care?
1: But it can be a communal thing as well. It doesn't have to be yourself in the kitchen mm-hmm. cooking. If you get a group of people around a campfire and everyone's sort of chipping in and, and taking part. Yeah. Then it kind well, of brings people together as well.
0: I guess there's a reason why I also like everybody always congregates in the uh, kitchen. Whether it's a... Yeah. Any type of party is always the mm. fucking kitchen. Everyone's always there. Yeah. 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 There must be there must be some reason to that. It must be kind of just the the hub of
1: We're drawn the, to it for some reason.
0: <laughs> and I it would have been that, like around like say yeah. around the campfire where everyone's just sat cooking, keeping warm, mm. eating, talking, enjoying things, and then you know, mm. it was just carry on, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah okay let's yeah let's wrap this up hmm. and we'll do uh, a quick Q and A with the with the patrons as well after if you've got maybe twenty minutes got as long as you need yeah whatever wonderful yeah so yeah. if anybody listen to this you support us on Patreon it's Patreon forward slash Naughty Mythology Podcast three pound a month you're going to get a bonus episode every week and that will be a Q and A episode with the guest where you get to ask your questions either you can watch the episode live and put your question in there or before the the episode starts, you can submit a question and ask it for you. um, Also on there, you get access to the story time episodes with Jonas Lorenzen that we do. And they are a lot of fun. We just read through a different saga story and we end up going off on a lot of tangents. It's me and Jonas basically just hanging out, getting drunk a lot of the time. And you get the whole back catalog on there and you get access to the Discord community, which is a lot of fun. Again, people hang out in there. We've built a nice little community of everyone that, that gets on. it's often just going, popping off on there, going off on there. Is that, a, is that a thing people say these days? It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of talking. We're all kind of friends. Yeah, it's it's a nice little place to hang out and meet like-minded people. So go and, yeah, go and check that out. It's £3 a month and... It's worth it, I think. <laughs> no, it is. It's definitely worth it. Um, but yeah, Craig, what about what about you? Anything you want to shout out? Obviously, shout your own podcast out.
1: Yeah, so uh Will I like it Podcast, you can get it on um YouTube and all the usual podcast, you know, apps. Um, you can follow me on social media, just Saxon Forager. Basically, if you look up Saxon Forager, some of the recipes are on the website if you want to have a look at the kind of stuff I cook rather than go and to buy the books. and then, if you like it, maybe go and buy the books. No, no, buy the books, just buy the books
0: <laughs> buy buy the books straight off the back. That's what I said don't, don't, but I, yeah, it's a good yeah. thing to give to let let people have a sample, but just let say, have a look
1: first, and if you like it, then yeah,
0: mm. buy the book. and even if you're not going to cook from the book, buy the book anyway. Paul Craig, but also put the book on a shelf and pretend that you cook. When people come around, they'll be like, "Oh, look at <laughs> that! That's a really cool book." And you go, like, "Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, look at this really awesome book, man! I, eat like a Viking." But maybe you never use the book, but who cares? You can have it as a as a taut, a focal piece. <laughs> Just splash some sauce on the cover, make it look used. You know? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Splash. <laughs> Just that is a To yeah. be fair, that's a good point. I never re- realized because I like to keep things quite clean and try like try and keep things um tidy and then when i really got into Mm -hmm. cooking i was like all my cookbooks are just fucked and i'm trying not to but i'm just like turning the page splashing it with like soy sauce and everything else i'm just like oh no (laughs) no why i've ruined my book so (laughs) i guess it's a well-loved cookbook though yeah and you should see the stay online Oh, I bet! I bet. Yeah. Do you have yeah, Do you use your
1: own sometimes? And do you, and do you have one? Oh yeah, I, I I forget my own recipes. I mean, there's too many to remember. I've been yeah. in the middle of cookery courses before. I have got oh, hang on a minute. How do I? <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. You can't yeah, remember nothing. everything.
0: No, you can't. And it's mm. it's. Uh, I always respect people more when they do that rather than just try and not, you know I have guests guests on here. They. High-level scholars, and they'll be like, "Give me a second. Let me let me check that." Yeah. And I respect mm. that so much more than just bullshitting and trying to wing your way through. It's yeah, nobody can remember everything. No. Nah. So uh, yeah, let's yeah, let's wrap this up. Let's do uh, let's do the Q and A. So if you want to listen to that again, just you can find that on our Patreon. It's your Patreon forward slash Nordic Mythology Podcast, and we will see you next time.